Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Stamm continues his series on the Jewish roots of Christianity, and James Collins will have a moment of prophecy. As we begin this new year, make sure you have our brand new 2022 prophecy calendar for you, your family, and friends. This year, the calendar is focusing on the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament. It also includes beautiful photos from all across Israel. Proceeds from this calendar go to the Onesimus Prison Ministry. Order your calendars today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order your prophecy calendars online, swrc.com. Larry Stamm, a first-generation Holocaust survivor and Jewish follower of Jesus, is here to continue his examination from Scripture into the Jewish roots of Christianity. Shalom, friends. Larry Stamm here. So glad you are joining us as we continue our study of the Jewish roots of Christianity. We are continuing to study the gospel in the Old Testament, namely salvation, as we continue our study. In our last session, we were talking about how the fact that Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith, just as New Testament saints are. The only difference was Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith in God's promise of Messiah, while New Testament saints were and are saved by grace through faith in God's provision of the Messiah namely in the person and work of Yeshua HaMashiach, which is Hebrew for Jesus, the Messiah. I want to continue this idea of how Old Testament saints were saved. I did not share these verses last time, but I want to share as we begin our time, Romans 9, verse 15. We had talked about the foundation of Old Testament salvation in Genesis 15, verse 6, where Abraham believed God, and the scripture says Abraham believed God, and God accounted or reckoned Abraham's faith as righteousness. We talked in our last session about the fact that the Apostle Paul argued for the justification of faith from Romans chapter 4, and we read Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, and we also quoted Romans four thirteen. The foundation of this idea of Old Testament saints being saved by grace through faith, we read last time in Romans chapter 1. I think it's important to note that Paul wrote in Romans 1, 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. So Paul here in Romans 1 is quoting the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, when he writes, Just as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2.4, which by the way was really the impetus of the Protestant Reformation as it pertained to Martin Luther. Martin Luther was struck by this verse and he was one of the great reformers in the day where we understood and understand as Christians that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Justification by faith. Paul quoted Habakkuk 2.4. He argues in Romans 4. 
about Abraham being the illustration for justification by faith. Now, I want to put this all together and read you a verse from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. By the way, the book of Hebrews was written to Jewish people. The writer of the book of Hebrews wrote in verse 15, Hebrews 9, 15, the word of God says, and for this cause, he, Jesus, is the mediator of the New Testament or New Covenant, that by means of death, his own, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. I want to read Hebrews 9.15 one more time and point out something very powerful to you. Hebrews 9.15 says, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Note that the writer of Hebrews is communicating that the blood of Christ was applied retroactively. In other words, the blood of Christ covered the saints of old, even before Jesus, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. It's a very powerful concept. So though Jesus wasn't present as the son of God, as a human person in the Hebrew scriptures, the blood of Christ retroactively was applied to those who had saving faith in God and in his promises. It's very powerful. I want to continue with this idea of salvation in the Old Testament, staying in the book of Hebrews. If you've got a Bible, now turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm going to make the point that Old Testament saints were saved by grace through faith. And in fact, in Hebrews 11, which we call loosely the Hall of Faith, we find something very interesting. I'm reading in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read verses 1 through 7 and unpack this idea of the fact that the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, they were all saved by grace through faith, not works. The Word of God says in Hebrews 11.1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witnesses that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. So we see Abel mentioned, we see Enoch mentioned, we see Noah mentioned. By the way, they were not Jewish people. 
God had not even brought forth Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is prior to the forefathers of the faith. But Enoch, Abel, Noah were all saved by grace through faith, and we who know Jesus Christ will meet them in heaven. Notice in verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark. Notice, he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And then Hebrews 11 continues on. You can read it on your own, but we find Abraham, we find Sarah, we find others that are in this hall of faith. They were all saved by grace through faith. It's a fascinating study. I want now to take you to John chapter 3. It is a fascinating study of Jesus and Nicodemus. Jesus teaching the teacher of Israel, Nicodemus, about saving faith, what it means and looks like to be born again of the Spirit. Again, if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 3. And then I'm going to take you back. We've been connecting the dots between the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. I want to connect the dots now between a teaching of Jesus in the Gospel of John and an Old Testament passage that illustrates his point. John chapter 3, Jesus, remember he, in those well-known verses, he says to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he talks about a snake on a pole as he talks about the new birth, regeneration. In verses 14 and 15, Jesus says these words to Nicodemus, John 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. This reference to Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness is a very powerful picture of salvation by grace through faith. Turn to Numbers chapter 21. I want to read verses 4 through 9. I want to point out the fact that in the wilderness wanderings, God gives them a powerful lesson on what it means to be saved by grace through faith. Numbers 21, beginning in verse 4, the Word of God says, And they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And verse 8 of Numbers 21, the word of God says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it on a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, 
he lived. Now, that passage from Numbers 21, we see Jesus referring to it in John 3. Jesus in John 3 now says to Nicodemus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Both involved death, one physical, one spiritual. Both passages and both teachings refer to God's grace and God's provision. And both passages in the book of Numbers and John chapter 3 both refer to salvation by grace through faith. Faith is the key. In that Numbers 21 passage, the serpents bit the people. This was a picture of judgment, and they were condemned to die physically. They cried out to God. God instructed Moses to put a snake on a pole. And those who looked upon the fiery serpent set upon the pole, when they looked at it, they were healed. You see, they had to express faith in God's provision. It wasn't just a serpent on a pole. It was their faith in God's provision. God provided a snake on a pole. The people didn't have to do anything except believe, and they would express their faith through looking at that serpent, and they were delivered physically. They were saved physically. Jesus, in communicating the new birth and regeneration to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he talks about spiritual salvation by people looking upon the Son. Jesus says that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus is using that Numbers 21 passage to illustrate the fact that people are saved by grace through faith in the new covenant economy. And so to be born again, to be saved, to experience the new birth, one must believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. One must confess their sins and receive Jesus by faith. And if you've not done that, friend, I would encourage you, if you believe that, to do that. It's very, very simple. This is a prayer of salvation. If you believe in the gospel message that Jesus died for you and rose again, I would encourage you to pray this prayer if you've not yet received the Lord Jesus. You can say something along these lines. It's not the words of your mouth, but really the the meditation of your heart, your heart condition that God will honor the faith that you express. But these are words that you can communicate to the Lord in confessing, repenting, and receiving Jesus. You can say something along these lines, and if you want to receive the Lord right now and you've not done so, I encourage you to pray this prayer of salvation if you would like to receive Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. Pray with me if you will. God, I know that I am a sinner and I want to turn from my sins. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross, paying the penalty for my sins, and I believe that he rose again on the third day, conquering both the power of sin and death. God, I repent. I turn from my direction of sin, and I receive you by faith. Please forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I receive you. Please come into my life. Cleanse me, forgive me, and help me follow you all the days of my life. Amen. If you've prayed a prayer like that, let us know. We'd love to be able to pray with you and help you as you begin your walk with God. But there's a powerful picture of salvation we find in the Old Testament book of Numbers in the Torah, and I wanted to share that with you as we continue our study. 
And we talked about the fact Old Testament saints were saved just as New Testament saints are. They are saved by grace through faith in God. I want to continue now in the same vein and just begin to unpack the fact that Gentiles, were they also saved in the Old Testament? Well, in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 and 7, the Word of God says, And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, foreigners, a reference to Gentiles, foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. And God says in Isaiah 56, 7, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus in Mark 11 was quoting that verse. Jesus quoting in Mark 11:17 said, My house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. Because redemption, salvation, friends, is not a Jewish thing nor a Gentile thing. It's a mankind thing. Jesus paid it all on the cross that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And as I like to say to people, you know, it's not really about your Jewishness nor your Gentileness. It's about your Jesusness. Do you know him? And in the Old Testament, we see that there were Gentiles who knew the Lord. Remember, God sent Jonah to Nineveh, a Gentile nation that hated Israel and the Jewish people. 150,000 Ninevites repented. Ruth, a Moabitess, became a follower of God. In fact, she's in the genealogy of Jesus, our Messiah and Lord. Other Gentiles like Nebuchadnezzar and Naaman also appear to have been saved in the Old Testament. And I'm going to continue in this teaching about Gentile salvation and the promises God made to Gentiles in the Old Testament about salvation through faith in Messiah in our next lesson. But I hope that you have been encouraged in the faith as we have continued to study the gospel in the Old Testament. Until next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom. Thank you, Larry. You can now get the brand new television series, Jewish Roots of Christianity, hosted by Larry Stamm. This television series is based on Larry Stamm's book, Jewish Roots of Christianity. All 16 episodes are on four DVDs. Get the Jewish Roots of Christianity book and complete television series for a gift of $60 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online at swrc.com. In Amos chapter 8, the prophet predicted an unusual famine. It was a famine of hearing the word of God. Is there evidence of such a famine in the world today? James Collins thinks so. Here is James to tell us more in today's edition of A Moment of Prophecy. Last week, I went to the grocery store with my wife. While I was there, I noticed that many products were missing from the store shelves. In fact, many of the shelves were just empty. Why are the store shelves in America empty? Well, there are several reasons. First, consumers in this COVID-crazy world are buying and hoarding products. People purchase extra items just in case there is another quarantine. Second, Stores are dealing with a shortage of employees. We live in a country where people do not want to work. 
so there's nobody to stock the shelves. Third, U.S. ports are backed up with ships wanting to unload their cargo. A shortage of truckers to move the goods has caused delays in unloading cargo ships, and there seems to be no end to this in sight. Could empty store shelves eventually lead to a famine in the United States? I don't know. But I do know that today we are seeing a famine growing all around this planet. We are told by the United Nations daily that a food famine is here and it's growing. We're told that in just a short time we'll need to be producing 50% more food than the world is currently producing. Throughout history, famines have come and gone. Sometimes they are quite severe and encompass large areas of the globe. Other times they're not so far-reaching, affecting only a small segment of our population. For the most part, the United States has been able to escape famines. We are a land of plenty. So much so that our country has always been involved in sending supplies to areas where there is human suffering due to a famine or some other catastrophe. Sure, today we're seeing a decline of availability of some food products, and rising prices are beginning to put a strain on our pocketbooks. Gasoline prices more than doubled in the past year. The cost of living is high, and it's going up. Still, most Americans will go to bed with full bellies tonight. We are not suffering from a famine in this country. However, I believe there's a famine coming. Empty store shelves and high prices pale in comparison to the famine coming upon this land, which was spoken of by the prophet Amos. In Amos 8, 11, and 12, we read, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. The people of Amos's time knew all about famines. They had been through a few. They knew what it was like to live through a drought and watch one crop after another fail and die. They understood the suffering that famine brings when people starve to death. But the prophet Amos declared that there was a worse famine than a famine of food. In the Gospel of Matthew, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. For you to grow spiritually, you must feast on the words of the Bible. Every kind of life requires nutrients, including your spirit. God gave you a Bible. God gave you men who have the gift of preaching and teaching. But are you listening? A famine for the Word of God is coming upon our land and is, in fact, already here. People on a whole, that is worldwide, are no longer interested in hearing the Word of God. We live in a world where people run to and fro seeking what they're not able to find. Because they have rejected God's word for so long, people are not able to recognize the truth any longer, even if that's what they desire. We're reaping what we have sown. The famine of hearing God's word is getting worse daily, and this famine is partially caused by believers who refuse to speak up. It appears Christians are simply saying, there's always someone out there witnessing, why should I bother? People, this attitude is completely against the Word of God. The mainstream media is a huge platform which the enemy uses to further his agenda of lies. If Christians were more vocal, we could use this platform to spread the truth of God's message of salvation. But that isn't the case, is it? 
Christians have become so passive that the world has it easy when it comes to walking all over us, especially those in the mainstream media. In Revelation chapter 3, the Lord addressed the Laodicean church, the church at the end of the age. Jesus stood on the outside and knocked. Whoever would open the door would receive unto them the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem with the Laodicean church was they believed they already had everything they needed. Guess what? They didn't have the most important part. They didn't have Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus was standing on the outside knocking. He was not in the church. The famine of God's word is a choice people have made to reject it, to completely turn from the truth and embrace the lie of secularism. Even many Christians have embraced the lie. According to research done by the Barna Group, only 7% of born-again believers have a biblical worldview. The rest have turned from the truth of the Bible. That means 93% of professing Christians have no desire to hear the truth. What Amos is speaking of in referring to a famine of God's Word is people will no longer hear the Word of God. Whether consciously or unconsciously, they will seek after it in the end times, but they won't find it. They didn't want to hear it for so long, they'll not be able to hear it when they want to hear it. A God famine, so to speak, brought by a lack of pursuit of His Word. Many pastors today are either going through this famine or they're steeped in it. Because so many have turned away from God's Word, they are no longer able to preach the truth. People not wanting to hear the truth have convinced their pastors of what they want to hear. Pastors wanting to please their congregations preach what their congregations want to hear. Both are turning away from what God wants them to be teaching and to be taught so that sooner or later, God just takes the Word away from them altogether. We know for a fact that this end-time scenario is happening right before our very eyes. If we seek God, God tells us that we'll find Him. On the other hand, if we despise God and remain in this attitude for very long, it'll be increasingly more difficult to hear His Word, let alone receive it unto ourselves. This is an attitude in which many are in today. They're completely unaware of where they're headed. Of course, we all know they're headed for hell. If we as born-again believers will confront these people with the truth of God's Word, the Holy Spirit has a better-than-even chance to convict them of their foolishness and turn them toward God and the Holy Bible before it's too late. We must plant the seeds of God's Word to stave off this famine coming on our land. God will do the rest. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. In our Resource Center today, we are featuring the Jewish Roots of Christianity book and complete 16-episode television series. Get both the book and television series for a gift of $60 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc. And don't forget to register for our next in-person conference, the Central Florida Prophecy Conference, which will take place Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Registration is free. Visit swrc.com and click on Events at the top of the homepage. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. 
Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144 or visit swrc.com. Tomorrow, Pastor Larry Spargimino will begin a series with author and teacher Jonathan Kahn to unlock the mysteries of the ages. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.